Hi, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Ross Tunney, and I'm the acquisition manager at New Reality Games, which is a publishing studio based in the UK. Okay, and what is um, what what games are you working or you guys are about to publish? Uh, we've actually just published um, three games on Steam, which are Deadshot. Sorry, Deadshot, which is a shmup, a very basic shmup, which is uh, kind of a casual game. Um, AI Rampage, which is a strategy game based kind of loosely on the um, the Terminator ethos, okay. and the third the third is Pulse Charge, which is a very vibrant, colourful, artsy platforming game, which isn't getting as much love as I expected it to actually. Okay, and so do you work with indie developers to publish the games, or or how does that work, or is it like in in the same studio that? Or like, are the publisher and the studio the same, or? Um, yeah, the developer and the I, I work with various developers across the internet, um, okay. and we also publish a few in-house, usually smaller titles nowadays because we don't really get that much chance to. The development time is stretched, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, what what are your thoughts on the role of publishers now compared to before? You know, because now now we have seen indie developers go direct, and yet I've also seen some indie developers using publishers still. So, mm-hmm. what what are your what's your perspective on that? Um, I think the nature of publishers has changed somewhat. I mean, you still have your larger publishers, but I still consider myself an indie publisher, and I still consider the developers that um, I represent. I still consider them to be independent, despite the fact they fall under our marketing label, if you like. It's, you, more of a, yeah. it's more of a, a group activity kind of thing. So by having a larger portfolio and a larger contact base that we all share, um, we have a more likelihood of getting a game noticed by, you know, by the press and what have you. Do you feel that... Um, so you, you feel that indie developers can benefit from having a publisher? Mm, definitely. Um, um, I mean, sorry. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Uh, what, what were you going to say? Uh, obviously, we have the various marketing contacts and what have you. Um, it also helps. A lot of developers have very tight budgets. So if there is any marketing, paid marketing, that needs to be done, we can always we can always front the cost for that, which obviously helps to get the game noticed. And then uh, we don't take an upfront fee, so we just take a cut for the revenue. So it's in our best interest to make sure that the game is as exposed as possible. And what... um. And do you primarily focus then on PC games, or is it uh, mobile, or, or what? At the moment, yeah, we, we concentrate mainly on PC, Mac, and Linux through Steam. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Steam right now? Because, uh, you know, I've read various articles about people saying that now Steam is really difficult to get noticed on, and it's mm-hmm. is it just typical hype? Is it? Do you feel that quality games can still do really well on Steam? <sighs> Uh, I think with the right marketing, a quality game will still do well on Steam. Um, with the sheer amount of games that are on Steam at the moment and the sheer amount of games that are getting greenlit, um, it is harder to get noticed. So it may be that a decent game goes under the radar and it doesn't get picked up by reviewers and what have you, uh, which is a shame for the developers, especially if they've, you know, if they've put quite a considerable sum of money into the game. What what do you think now about the influx of all these developers that are just are vying for a piece of this? You know, it's it's an expanding pie. 
but but what what are your thoughts and perspectives for indie developers in in this current market it's a it's a double-edged sword it's there's two sides of it really i mean if it wasn't a more accessible market then i personally wouldn't have wouldn't have got into creating commercial games myself. Um, my company only started just over three years ago now. Um, <clears throat> so with that, that's, that accessibility, I probably wouldn't have done it myself. On the other hand, a, a highly accessible industry is creating a market saturation that's pushing a lot of particularly quality titles towards trash pricing and bundling the games. Yeah, and, and so as you as a publisher, do you then try to look for bundling the games that you handle, or, or do you feel that you, you're, you try to do other techniques to, to make your game stand out? We try to use a mix of techniques, but I think it's, um, it's difficult to swim against the stream and to, to tell a market base that's used to 99 cent games that <laughs> this is worth spending, you know, 10 games worth of pocket money on. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good point. And and you're referring then to the to the mobile paradigm where people are paying 99 cents for a game. Mm-hmm. Right? Um but you know, that's even too much. Like <laughs> like yeah. for for most people it's they're used to just having it all free. Yeah. So and yet and yet, you know, you, you hear about a lot of these successful games anyway, so it isn't like it's it's either or. Um, what you know as a marketing tool, do you feel that mobile is something that you try to try to sway your developers towards? You know, to put something out on there. No, I I have zero interest in the mobile market at the moment. Oh wow, why, <laughs> why is that? I mean, because I was just reading something about how the mobile market's going to be like forty billion. Really? I mean, yeah. Like for games, yeah, and I mean, like in the upcoming years, and I'm like, wow. Even even last year, I think it was like 35 billion, or something like that. It was like 30 to 35 billion dollars. Yeah, I think that's um, even even more of an accessible market than the PC market. Yeah. So, um, it's a case of sink or swim. Literally, you either you either do very very well, or you you know your title goes completely unnoticed. I mean, um, Rovio, who made Angry Birds <laughs> yeah. had what twenty four titles out before they actually it had. Was, it was like fifty two. <laughs> but That's you know, but, but to be fair though, they were on all these platforms that were kind of pre iPhone. Mm. So during those days, getting noticed, distribute all those things, like you know, the carriers controlled it to such a degree that it was really difficult and not very fun <laughs> to do stuff. So, mm. so I think, I think that's why they you know that's one of the reasons why they didn't they didn't succeed maybe as much back then yeah. but okay so so you're really not into mobile and your and your feelings are that uh, a publisher and a developer can do well on pc without mobile or some of these other things yeah yeah definitely i mean mobile is something that we've we've kind of toyed with the idea of but it's unknown territory so we we've felt it was best to build a, a very firm foundation on the PC market and then possibly expand. What, um, you know, there are other publishers, I guess. What what do you feel makes your publishing, you know, your publisher company stand out versus other publishers? I feel that we give a very personal touch. I mean, I, I'm personally a developer myself. I have um, four games, five games on Steam now of my own. 
Um, so I can relate to how people are dealing with shoestring budgets and trolls on Steam and what have you. So I can provide that kind of buffer between the Steam community and the developers. <laughs> um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on Steam? I mean, do you feel that it's it's a growing it's still going to be a growing market? Oh, definitely. I think okay. I think to push Steam off this pedestal now is going to be a, a mammoth task. You're going to have to you're going to have to offer some major incentive to get those players to migrate, especially when you consider that there are players on here with thousands of products in the library now. Oh yeah, yeah. And and so you don't feel that even going through the say Mac Mac Store or Windows Store or um, or even going direct is is really viable at this point. No, I think having a centralized place to keep all of your games. I mean, it works wonders. Yeah. In the in the three years that I've been doing this, I've moved systems what four or five times now. So it's great to be able to just launch Steam and yeah, I want to play that game. I'll just install that right away without having to dig out discs and what have you. What are your thoughts on YouTube for marketing, distribution, and getting exposure? I I think it's a growing. It's definitely a growing trend with the the Let's Plays and what have you. I think a lot of players turn to the Let's Plays rather than an article these days. Yeah. And so so you as a publisher, are you trying to get in touch with YouTubers to to promote the games that you publish? Or Yes, yeah. We, we definitely try to do that. Uh, we're trying to find other avenues. I've just... Um, oh, yeah, there's Twitch, too. Yeah, I've had. I mean, when whenever we push a new game out, we get loads of emails from people claiming to be Twitch streamers, and it's quite difficult sometimes to <laughs> to weed out the key key resellers. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I mean that that is what's amazing about the whole situation is that even the marketing is completely changed in the last two or three years. I feel. From, it's from what yeah. I noticed. It's, it's essentially word of mouth, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, even these Let's Play videos are, are a huge part of it. And in fact, what I see is that a lot of these people who look to these Let's Play stars <clears throat> validate buying a, a game because they see someone who's actually, quote, played it right there. Mm-hmm. And so they assume that that person bought it. Yeah. And so it's it's socially acceptable to buy it versus if you don't have that kind of exposure, I think it's more difficult. I'm not familiar mm-hmm. that much with Steam, so it might be different. But... But is that something that you're – are you thinking about having closer relationships with YouTube stars or even starting your own YouTube channel related to promoting your you know, videos that – or games of, that you publish? Yeah, I definitely lean more towards trying to get um, YouTube stars or even just um, quote-unquote real players to just play the game and you know post their thoughts on it, post it in the forums and what have you. So I think a lot of people – when they check these games on Steam, they want to follow it and kind of follow the progress and see how other people react to it before buying it themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, besides that, what 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 do you feel is going to shift? Because it seems like every two or three years, something shifts big time. Mm. Um, you know, one, one other trend that I've seen is <clears throat> you'll have studios go cross-platform in a sense that they'll develop a PC and a mobile version. Right, mm-hmm. and so that gives it maybe extra exposure or extra—I don't know what it is—but 
but I've seen that you know successfully implemented with Goat Simulator, and of course Minecraft. I mean, do you feel that this is something that's going to be required moving forward for indie developers? Um, yeah, I mean, I would expect so. The vast majority of indie games are retro-esque or um, you know low processing requirements. So as mobile platforms become more and more viable as a gaming option. Okay. Um, I think we're going to see less handheld consoles and more mobile gaming. Okay, and so so you would actually advise the developers that you publish to to have a mobile version of the game that they're working on. Yeah, it's definitely something to look into. Okay, uh, where where do you feel the industry is going to be going in the next two or three years? Are you looking at publishing VR games? Uh, yeah, I've been trying to pick up a VR game for ages. Oh, really? <laughs> Like really, um, so you, so you're trying to find developers that actually do VR games? Yeah, I would love to. Why? Um, that's that's interesting. What? Why? Because does does Steam support VR? Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I read something about that. I just wasn't. But I, I don't think yeah. it's not. I don't think it's going to take off as the go-to method of gaming. But um, I certainly think it'll be more. It'll be a, a larger market share than could be considered a niche. I think a lot of people will. As the price of the headsets come down and what have you, and there's more VR competition, more well, companies offering VR, VR headsets, I think it's uh, it's going to be quite big. Have you tried VR? Or? I tried a Rift. Yeah, okay, yeah. And what, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I get really bad motion sickness. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, the particular game that I played was, um, it was an FPS. So there's a lot of fast movement and a lot of activity. Okay. And whereas your eyes focus and you have peripheral vision, you don't really get that with VR. It's more everything's in focus. So I think there's definitely work to be done. Um, From what I've read and heard, if you play something along the lines of a um, flight sim or something where there's some kind of barrier like a windscreen or um, a helmet or something like that, that helps to reduce the motion sickness quite a bit because your brain automatically, you know... um, well, what would be the ideal VR game that you would want to play then? Because cause it seems like first-person shooters are not going to work at this point for VR. I would love to play the next Final Fantasy in VR. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that could work, right? Total immersion, you know. Um, like an RPG. Uh, yeah, well, kind of like watching a, a movie, but... <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You're and then, actually there in the room, you know? And then just gestures for the attacks, or would that be uh, like like motion... like? head nod for for interface or what i'd personally or would you just be an observer (laughs) i'd most much prefer to use a controller even in vr yeah yeah but you you can imagine the kind of um, easter eggs that they could hide in the environment as the as the cutscenes are going on the kind of the clues and what have you that you could pick up okay if you've got a full 360 do you feel that they're that casual games are also gonna (laughs) would they potentially work in vr or is the is is the platform going to be so niche that it won't even matter? I mean, niche in the sense that it's going to be targeting hardcore traditional gamers, stuff like that. I think, yeah, I think I don't think casual gamers will be that interested in VR, mainly because of the the, head, the price of the headsets. But maybe as they come down, maybe have, have, have you seen the use of the mobile the smartphones for some of these VR devices, where it's like you just put like Google Cardboard, where you can put your <laughs> phone in there and Get an yeah, I, yeah. I, I tried one of those on a friend's phone, and I find it really difficult to kind of focus. 
Okay, okay. So you didn't you didn't like it that much. But that that might just be me. No, I didn't like it that much. I mean, um, for me, I'm a I'm a family man, so I've got kids around me most of the time yeah. when I'm doing my gaming. So to to then put a, a VR headset on and just completely ignore them for several hours, it's uh, probably out of the question. Well, did you did you have your kids potentially test it out? Like, was that something that they would be amazed by or? No, it's because they've not had the they've not had the self-containing two-dimension screen experience that we've had i think um, my kids are quite young so it's it's not really awe inspiring to them because they've nothing to compare it to okay um so aside from vr where do you feel that things are potentially going to go for or where where should indie developers potentially explore in terms of either genres or technologies or platforms it's really difficult to say i think everything's kind of up in the air at the moment i mean i know where the the prices are headed Uh, (laughs) yeah well actually that would be great to discuss (laughs) (laughs) what are your thoughts on prices because the way i see it is that it's it's going it's it's all going towards free um no it isn't all my mistake it isn't all going towards free but when i look at mobile um, which is what I'm more fascinated by. I definitely see that trend, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's in-app purchases, but you also see that it's harder to get downloads. But there's always opportunity, you know. Yeah, I think I think uh, in-app purchases is probably a good area to explore because it's inconsequential to a person to to download a free game and then check it out. If they're interested, they can buy the game's values worth of stuff in the game, if you like. So yeah. Even if it, even if it's just aesthetics, even if it's just a, a character pack or you know um, an inconsequential weapon or yeah something. And and Amazon has this new program called Underground where I think they give away paid games for free, and the developer just gets gets paid based on how much time players spend in the game. That's quite a cool idea. I like yeah. that. So I mean, so that's one thing, and. I guess, yeah. I guess I guess it is the freemium model that that seems mm. to be working. But but are you a fan of the freemium model, or do you feel the paid model is is still gonna I, gonna have a nice uh, a nice opportunity? I think, all things considered, we're probably heading towards a, a freemium model. Okay, that's that's probably. And the, I guess we're already there, mm. but with Steam. It's definitely more paid, right? Like, I mean, it's or, or at, you... at the moment, yeah. But um, there are a lot. There are a lot of good games that are priced quite fairly. Um, a friend of mine posted his game, which he's been working on for ages, and it's got really nice pixel art and what have you. Um, and in its first month, it didn't even clear him enough sales to pay his rent. Which, yeah, this is this really nice, high quality game. But see, was it was it really unique in the sense that because you know if it's if it's even if it's a high quality game but it's in a genre that's already saturated, then I feel like it becomes difficult. I think all the genres are saturated. Yeah, but I, I think with the with the higher accessibility as well these days of get, gaming is more of a it's not a subculture anymore. It, it's just part of everyday life. Yeah. So the the Steam community base is growing and growing and growing and growing. Um, and people are more inclined to pick up cheaper games 
even yeah. if the, or, or even games where where they're 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 kind of they built a community with the developer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now that gaming is main culture, what what are your thoughts on opportunities then for smaller game developers? Because when I talk to indie game developers, at least a lot of them, they're they're trying to develop games that were nostalgic to them. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not necessarily innovating on game mechanics or game design. Now they may mm-hmm. bring in some of the you know, the new business models and also potentially some of the new technologies like multiplayer. Yeah. Um internet multiplayer versus like when they played it back in the day there was no internet multiplayer or something else like that. But I mean what isn't that what most or what the indie developers that you are working with? Do you feel that that trend is true for them, or do you feel that you are seeing, you know, innovative types of games? No, I think that I think the the general consensus is to leave innovation up to the triple A's. Oh, really? Okay. And right. for indies to develop titles that they're interested in, ti- in creating because you're going to end up with something with more heart and more passion. But you know which, why? Which does show through. Why do indie developers... I'm, I'm trying to figure out why a lot of indie developers just want to develop games that they played as a kid. Like, because that... I mean, and I understand that, but that's not indie... Devel- isn't that nostalgic development? And there's nothing wrong with that. But when I see indie developers who are like, you know, we released a game, it didn't work, and it's like a platformer like everyone else's platformer mm-hmm. you know from back in the day or a pixel pixel platformer how is that i think everybody's in love with the idea of um releasing an indie game and hitting it big but in this <laughs> in this climate for most people i would say that developing indie games is more of a paid hobby than it is okay yeah a living for most people yeah i feel like maybe that's part of the fun for a lot of people is just to develop something that brings back oh. their childhood right so yeah. maybe like 30 or 40 years ago it was being in a music band or, or you know playing an instrument <laughs> yeah and rock, rock stars of the indie game world yeah because when you look at minecraft and you look at some and you know some of the other ones that i don't have offhand they you know they were done in an innovative or interesting way mm-hmm. and they definitely still get do pretty well you know mm. um and so i feel like when you talk to some of the developers that you're working with, do you try to push for them following their passion or do you say like, look, here are some things you need to consider. Here are some ways to, to make your game stand out. In terms of game design, how much guidance or feedback do you give? Um, I definitely give a lot of feedback on the quality control side of things. Because obviously, if I'm publishing somebody else's game and it does badly on Steam and it gets a ton of negative reviews, it reflects badly on the company. Um, Aside from that, sometimes you pick up a game and you you publish it and you think it's going to do really well and it doesn't. And other times you'll pick up a game where you think it might do okay and it does 10 times the revenue you're expecting. Um, It's a really, really volatile market. And sometimes your instincts can just be you know, just so, so wrong. So I tend to give developers as much freedom. I will give advice if they ask for it, but for the most part with the development of the games themselves, um, it's entirely up to them because there's no kind of formula for what works. It, it is a creative market yeah. for the most part. 
for the situations where you saw a 10x unexpected increase, what, what do you feel was the reason for those unexpected gains? Say that again, sorry. Oh, you yeah, sure. Um, for the games where you had a 10x increase in you know, unexpected sales, what do you feel was the reason behind that? Um, it could be down to it could be down to lucky exposure. It could be, you know, uh, a let's player picked up the game and it kind of snowballed from there. Or it could just be that there's there's some kind of magical X factor in the product itself that makes the word of mouth spread like wildfire. It's really it's really difficult to track. Okay. And it's really difficult to nail down that kind of magic magic moment that creates a, a best-selling game. Um, what suggestions would you have for indie developers um, coming from a publisher point of view? Um, get a job to fund your habit. Okay. <laughs> um, for most people, I'd say, as, as I mentioned before, I would say that developing indie games is very much a paid hobby um, it, I mean, it depends on your background. For some people, you know, for some people, three hundred, four hundred dollars a month is is a, a fairly decent wage. Other people, it's it's pittance. Um, so I would say, don't try to put all your eggs in one basket. Don't don't start too big because if you you know if you put everything into this game that's taking you three years to develop and it doesn't do particularly well. Then that's that's a lot of work down the pan and possibly quite a lot of money. So start small. Always start small. Would you advocate iterative development? Because it seems like you are not necessarily in favor of iterative or live development versus actually having a polished product and putting it in front of users um, um, only when it's done. Yeah, I've kind of I started out. In a, in a mindset that dictated I would always put a polished product out. I wouldn't even put a demo out. But nowadays, I think, with Steam's early access and being able to get quite a lot of uh, user feedback is quite helpful towards the development of the game. And people can be quite a lot more lenient with their, their views on the game if it's in early access and um, they can see that you're actually engaging with the community. Um, so... Yeah, I think early access is probably um, a good option for most people. Um, and episodic development also can provide you with the feedback and it can help to fund the game without having to go through Kickstarter or what have you because running crowdfunder campaigns can be extremely resource and um, time intensive. And you, you eat, live, sleep, breathe Kickstarter if you're running a campaign. With that said... Um the games that you discussed that are going to be released on Steam, is that something that you've encouraged the developers to do then? Is to kind um, of have an early access approach and, and get get feedback yeah. from the community. These particular games were already complete okay. um, when I approached them. Um, one of the things that I've seen with a lot of indie developers is that they've not had the confidence to put the game on Steam uh, well, through Greenlight, either because they weren't confident in the product or they weren't com confident that they could handle a lot of the undue negativity that comes through Greenlight a lot of the time, <laughs> shall we say. 
Um, so yeah, these guys are already complete, but for the most part, if I'm working with a developer early on in the development, um, I will push for an early access release, mainly for the community feedback. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess, what are your thoughts on crowdfunding in general now? Is that, is that, because it's, it's gotten harder, it seems. Yeah, it's gotten a lot harder. There's, there, there have been so many failed projects and what have you that, <laughs> and projects that just didn't deliver what they were supposed to, that people are very, very wary nowadays about what they're essentially donating money in the hopes that one day they might get something out of it. So I think early access is probably a more viable route for people than than Kickstarter. But I mean, you could you could always run a Kickstarter in conjunction with early access, I guess. Do you have any preference for development tools um, to use for developing indie games at this point? Personally, I'm a big RPG Maker fan, but that's because I'm just a paid hobbyist. My games are always quite. Um, small, not overly ambitious, but mainly due to the, my time constraints with publishing. We have, um, excuse me, 20 titles under our umbrella at the moment, so they keep me quite busy. Do, I mean, do you encourage Unity or something else like that because it allows you easier access to some of these other platforms? Um, yeah, I mean, there are there are benefits. Some people recognize now games that are built in Unity, especially if they're using store-bought assets, um, which can bring, personally I feel, undue negativity, but I guess if you're seeing a million asset flips on Steam, you're going to start getting a bit annoyed with it. Especially since that if a game is absolutely terrible, it won't just be pulled from Steam, it'll be there forever. It's like a, like a tombstone, if you like. <laughs> just there, rotting away with a million negative reviews on it. So you would encourage people to develop or, or get custom artwork instead of using assets? Yes. From the asset store. Okay. Yeah, I mean, presentation and first impressions are quite important because you need to push that potential customer over the fence to in, actually buying your product. In, in terms of media, are you... Do you prefer reaching out to some of the, you know, some of the popular game development blogs or do you prefer now trying to find up-and-coming YouTubers? Uh, yeah, generally leaning towards the YouTubers. Um, sometimes they can be quite hard to get hold of. I think a lot of them close off the communication channels from developers and just literally just pick out the games they want to play rather than being bombarded with a million Unity asset flips or um, Flappy Bird clones. <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess from your perspective as a publisher, any other things that you've noticed, I guess related to the industry or any suggestions or insights you have for other developers who are I think uh, joining joining groups on Facebook is quite a, a useful promotional tool um, okay. every time you know every time we post on the official new reality games Facebook page we always make sure to share that post amongst 20 or so groups Particularly the developers, because indie developers are very supportive of one another, which is a strange one of the strange things about this industry. Oh, because because people are helping each other, or yeah, there's no, there's very little competitiveness. Everyone's yeah. quite um, open to discuss marketing techniques and um, even down to the figures and what have you. Um, 
yeah, it's really it's a really nice supportive community for the most part. Where do you see the indie development or indie games going in the next two to three years? Cheaper. Okay. Um, it's it's difficult to say. I think we're definitely going to see more and more market saturation. We need some kind of. I mean, my focus is always Steam. I think we need something to help us weed out the, you know, the undiscovered gems, which is what I think the curation system was supposed to do, but it doesn't really seem to be, doesn't really seem to be doing very much. Um, do you see any other platform shifts? I guess. I mean, I guess there's VR, but. Um, but what do you, do you feel that consoles are going to grow over the next two to three years or, or decline? Or I think the consoles are probably going to plateau now for for some time. Um, I think a lot of people are reverting back to the PC master race, you know, because you can customize your system. Um, a lot of people are getting into mods nowadays, and I think modding is more of an ex- accessible. Um, hobby nowadays as well so I think yeah Um, yeah so I guess any other last words or suggestions for developers out there and maybe anything else you want to share about the upcoming games that you're about to publish Uh, well we've got a few few games on green light at the moment Um, we've got Rebellion Ages which is a uh, very basic tower defense game which is quite cool it's very casual um, we've got Broken Dreams, which is a platformer in which you can you create shadow copies of yourself that repeat your previous actions to help you solve the puzzles and what have you. And there's also a love story there, um, which is really cool. We've got Holy War, which is a multiplayer FPS with kind of um, fast gameplay and what's it like I'm looking for? <laughs> Um, it's all polys. It's low poly. There we are. It's low poly. I'm sorry. It's uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, we've got Drift Overdrive, which is a kind of. When I first saw it, I thought it was um, kind of a micro machines type game, um, but it's a, a drifting game. So it's a nostalgic drifting game. Um, that that's quite cool. Um, that's with a relatively new developer and that that was actually the winner of the new reality games game jam that we ran okay um, so that was the uh, the prize winner can you talk more about that game jam was that when was when was that held um, we started it in november the idea was for it to be a rapid result driven game jam but due to lack of entries we actually extended it all the way till the end of december and in, slightly into January, I think. Yeah, we we closed it on the sixth of January. <clears throat> um, we got quite a few inter- interesting entries, um, most of which weren't quite ready. The the stipulations of the rules were that the game must be in a state where it could be launched on early access. Okay. Uh, so a lot of the game still needed quite a bit of work before getting to that point but it was fun because it, we created a community and everybody was sharing their progress and um, it provided quite a lot of motivation for people to actually to actually finish a project even though most of them didn't in terms of 
do you, do you encourage multiplayer or do you feel that that single player can still work pretty well? I think single player can still work quite well. Um, okay. I mean, I'm a very, very casual gamer with a very sporadic um, schedule, so most of my gameplay is single player. And I think with my generation of, um, I guess we're, we're, my generation are all parents now, so we're getting less and less time to, to play games. Yeah. So single player tends to tends to fit that pick-up-and-play ethos. Uh, what are your thoughts on Broken Dreams? I was checking it out a little on Steam, at least the page. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on... What what are the unique points about that? I personally really liked the, the storyline element of the unrequited love of the the protagonist and the, the girl that he was after. Um, and the gameplay mechanics just kind of... I did the cherry on the top for me. Um, the artwork's very nice. It's a very artsy game with a really nice soundtrack. Um, it was originally released as a free flash game. Yeah. Uh, but we've since expanded on. We've since um, had the developer expand on the original game. Um, we're going to re- include art pack and um, sound pack as well to go along along with that. Absolutely free. Um, so it just seemed like a nice nice little casual game for people to play on Steam, something to add to your library and you know, get more trading cards. Do you <laughs> feel that the free flash version helped it a lot or No, if anything it it, it hindered it because it was almost instantly recognized because it was quite popular um when the unfinished flash version was out. Okay. And um, so there've been quite a, a little bit of a backlash we um, the first green light we launched for it, we took down due to some possible copyright issues. Um, basically, a couple of the sprites looked like they were based loosely on the Maple Story game. Okay. Um, so, just as a precautionary measure, we had those reconfigured and relaunched. We don't want to get sued. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> and then Polywar is yeah what. Uh, did you get a chance to play that, or? I haven't had a chance to play it just yet. Okay, um, I guess some of the you know, some of the games you discussed that were upcoming. I guess are there any other interesting aspects that you want to discuss related to them, or or the gameplay that they offer? Um, I think the most interesting for me is Drift Overdrive. But I think I'm just a, a sucker for nostalgia. <laughs> okay. um, I have I have played that quite extensively, um, and the way that the mechanics change from level to level, like there's snow levels and um, you know various uh, various themes to the levels. One of them is a, where you have to uh, on, you're on a highway and you have to drift through traffic. Um, it's incredibly difficult, which I think is probably in keeping with the nostalgic theme. Okay. Where can listeners find out more information about the games you're going to publish or upcoming games and stuff like that? Um, we host everything over on newrealitygames.co.uk um, or you can check us out on Facebook. Great. Um, any other last words or comments or requests from the listeners out there or for the listeners out there? <laughs> Um, if you want to be an indie developer, go for it. Don't expect it to make you a huge amount of money, especially 
you know, not not very quickly. Um, but it is it's it is such a rewarding experience to publish something to the market. Um, you know, even if it's not innovative or anything, just make the game that you want to make, enjoy making it, and when it's out there, you can say there. That's that's mine. I did that. I created that. You can't take that away from me. Okay. Before we end this, I I definitely want your opinion on the balance between make the game you want to make and appealing or catering to the market. You as a publisher, what what do you encourage, or or what do you do? Do you just have the developers make the game they want to make and then adjust it towards the end, or do you feel that that you sometimes have to have to sway them? otherwise or, or keep them on the path to, to doing what they want to do it's rare that I have to intervene and say that they're you know they're doing a bad job and may, mostly because it's very difficult to predict how the game will be received Yeah, I mean everyone has different opinions everyone has different perspectives on various mechanics you know things that I like about certain games other people dislike and vice versa so it really is a case of um, suck it and see I guess <laughs> make make the game you want to make if it's you know and there's there's nothing to say that you can't if your game isn't particularly well received you could you can always yeah. create a sequel or you can use the original game as a loose base for a new game and you can you can change it's all a learning experience yeah. and and now that you said moving forward you're going to be more iterative potentially um and and encourage people to to release early on steam just to get feedback so mm-hmm. in that case they'll know they'll have a better sense of what's resonating with the audience or not yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and so you say make the game you want to make is that something that i know you've mentioned that you made some some games yourself is that something mm-hmm. you've definitely stuck to or have you yeah i guess when have you had the most success um i'd say my games have probably they've all been about as successful as one another um, I've always, I've always endeared to make the games that I wanted to make. I originally started out with a kind of Pokemon clone. I wanted to do a kind of mature take on the whole monster training thing, um, but it ended up being more of a more of a, a dot hack esque game. Um, and I just kind of, I just kind of let the game take me where it wanted to go. Um, originally, it did start off as a hobby project, but it, it garnered enough interest that I thought it might be viable to go commercial and just kind of went from there. Okay. Um, cool. Thanks for that. Um, so once again, where can listeners find out more information about the games you're publishing? At newrealitygames.co.uk Great. or check our Facebook. Great. Thanks again for your time. Take care. Okay. Bye now. Bye.